Hey there fellow geeks and nerds, Gareth here. Just a reminder before the show starts that we are accessible on all the usual social media haunts. Facebook, you can find us on facebook.com slash thegeeksjournal. Instagram, at thegeeksjournal. Twitter, at geeksjournaluk. The Geeks Journal is available on most podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, you get the picture. So please, feel free to share and recommend to anyone you think might enjoy it as much as I hope you are too. If the moment should take your fancy, leave a little comment or review. Apparently it helps. I have no idea how, but apparently it does. Thanks for sticking with me through all the boring spiel. And now, on with the show. Greetings and salutations, fellow geeks and nerds. Welcome back to the Geeks Journal podcast, the rewatch show where old friends reflect on films from their past and see just how well or how badly they've held up along the passage of time. As the season of the lemon continues, we are back for our second round of our citrus atrocities by breaking down the 2003 Marvel movie Daredevil. Now, before I get into the Ins and outs of this movie. First, I'd like to welcome back the collective, Damien, Ollie, and Lee. Gentlemen, hello. 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 So, listeners, for those of you not familiar with this movie, question mark? (laughs) It is a story where attorney Matt Murdock, played by Ben Affleck, is blind, but his other four senses uh, function with superhuman sharpness. By day, Murdock represents downtrodden individuals and at night, he is Daredevil, a masked vigilante, a relentless avenger of justice. And through that, there are other elements within this which tie into the Marvel Universe, um, such as uh, dealing with the kingpin, Wilson Fisk, who's played by Michael Clark Duncan, introduction of Elektra as well, played by Jennifer Garner. I mean, I, I could get into other elements of this story, but let's be honest... There's not much of a story in this movie. Like, I have a lot to say about this. Like, I have, (laughs) like, essays documented from this viewing. But overall, there is very little story to this movie. And that is kind of down to the fact that, like, this is the theatrical release of the movie, listeners. Um, This is available on Disney+, Plus, Amazon Prime, uh, a whole range of places that you would have expected that would have had more sense just to leave this well enough alone and save the bandwidth on their servers. But but it's still out there, and but there is a director's cut, which is vastly superior. That really is saying something. But I just want to get... But, like, before we get really into it, I just want to talk about, like, how people got into this movie in the first time. I mean, for me... I didn't see it in the cinema. This was actually a DVD one. This is actually uh, down to Damien. Damien, I remember when you bought the DVD and you showed me the movie and, you know, like 20-year-old me loved it and, yeah, just just stuck with it and bought the DVD myself. Oh, what did we And then we found out about the director's cut a little while later and I bought that too. These two DVDs still have place on my shelf. They are still there. 
Is this a Super Mario Brothers warning story? Is this is this your version of it? No, 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 no. That's the copy of Green Lantern that I keep on my shelf as a cautionary tale. <laughs> However, part of me was almost like, do I have time to watch the director's cut in comparison ready for the show? And then I realized, no, because that way would literally drive me insane. I think that's too much of this movie in one go to watch that back to back. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a a very late DVD release watch for me. I, I mean, day uh, before you got that DVD, had you seen it before, or had you just heard of it, seen it, and just went, "I'm going to get that"? Uh, it's purely because this is when I got them back into collecting, and for better or for worse, if it had Marvel on it, I'd buy it. And you know, some something should never have been bought. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Burying the lead slightly there. So. <laughs> Some things should never have been bought. Certain... I may not be talking about this. <laughs> um, uh, Dolph Lundgren's Punisher should never have been bought. I'll tell you that. Um, but, yeah, no. yeah, there's there's a video nasty. But yeah, no, just grabbed it because of what it was. And we always used to do this. We always used to play through the special features and not, and the outtakes. That's right. Yeah, the outtakes are funnier than the fucking. <laughs> I have. I actually have notes. I actually have notes of reflection about those outtakes mm. when I was watching this today, which really yeah. stuck in. Um, Lee, what about yourself? So this would have been for me a cinema trip. Oddly enough, you know, unusually for this podcast. Really, yeah, Luke and like, so well, this seeing this a film been... full stop is unusual for pretty much. Well, for this podcast, <laughs> no, only, only good films. Are, it's good films that I haven't seen. Um, so this one would have been back when Luke and I were in our college days and we were studying for our, would have been BA New Media at this point. Uh, we would have gone to the cinema to see this because we had cinema passes. We were studying in Swindon, you know, that's where college was. And it's like, well, got a few hours before work. Let's go watch a film. And so we would have gone and seen this. I would have thought together. I, I remember buying the DVD not long after I needed it for a project, as we mentioned in the last episode and yes yep also i i remember having the director's cut but i don't think i ever watched it i I remember i went through a a spate of buying a lot of dvds in my younger days and they would sit on a shelf uh, for a long time and this was definitely one of them because i remember it was like a blue version of the of the daredevil you know uh, artwork and such was did it say 1.5 or am i misremembering that with the x-men one Either way, I had That's it. That's the X-Men one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Either way, I had it because I remember Music Magpieing it a couple of years back when we moved house. So, I would honestly, if you've never watched, I would love at some point to re to to. I was going to say rewatch, but to watch the director's cut with you. I'd be intrigued to, uh, uh, to see it comparatively because uh, as a as a narrative, it is much more concise. It is clearer. It has more justification between a lot of the stuff that we see in this Hmm. that i literally watched and just went i don't know why that happened and it it, it's because it doesn't tie in with what happened due to the director's cut and because of various elements have been edited Hmm. bizarrely enough we went to one of the um memorabilia i bought the movie adaptation comic and it is the director's cut so it's got all the bits yes that's right yeah yeah so I've still got that on the shelf amongst my nearly 5,000 floppies in there. But yeah, it's got the whole story. So I said, why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ollie, 
moving on to you quickly before we get into it. How about you? Where does it, where does this sit with you in history? In 2003, I think me and my brother, Matty, went to the cinema to go see it. Do you know, because it was at the it was at the time when superhero films had started becoming a thing again, you know, in 2000 X-Men had come out, X-Men 2 yep. was, was coming out or had come out. And by this point, we were used to having to wait two to three years for a superhero film. We're not like... I was going to say spoiled, but maybe like saturated at the moment. Yeah. Like we are. So it was quite an event to go and see and to go and see what was, what like the fruits of like Marvel's labor was going to be because there was no Instagram or Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. But we didn't know that in (laughs) advance, did you? You didn't have all the previews. You didn't know much about the actors. So it was, it was quite an exciting thing to go and see. And I do remember being, like excited to go and see it like this is a a superhero that i don't really know much about i'd read a few like collected editions but that was about it so yeah and at the time (laughs) i think i did enjoy it because i brought the dvd and the director's cut which actually i have but likely i have never seen interesting yeah i'd love to watch this director's cut with you all just to see because i have a feeling i know where this is going to go tonight but <laughs> i mean it's called season of the lemon right <laughs> well just because the like just because the critics don't like it which is the measuring stick that we have for this doesn't necessarily mean the movie is considered bad in general however i think that is not going to be the case here <laughs> but i'm gonna that's part of the fun can I just show my like stupidity here? How does the Rotten Tomatoes grading system work? Because if I would have thought being called Rotten Tomatoes, the higher the number, the worse it is, because you'd throw more Rotten Tomatoes at a film or a performance. No. So it's it's the other way round, obviously. But yes, so why? so tomatoes are certified fresh above sixty percent, right? And rated rotten below sixty percent, right? Gotcha. It's a grade of the tomato, not the amount of tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, okay. I would prefer it the other way around. It should be the amount of tomatoes thrown at this film. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. How many tomatoes would you throw at this film? Oh, at least a hundred. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, let's get into it, shall we? Okay, I mean, this, I mean, this elements of this movie have not dated well at all, and it hits you right out of the gate with the CG framing, the rendering of the of the city in that opening credit scene. Oh God, it did not look right. Just, I, I think, I mean, it, right, this is probably, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to end up repeating myself throughout the entire thing, but I just felt, <laughs> I. Uh, we are we are lucky and spoiled, right, to be alive now with the quality of superhero films now. I I remember, not I don't remember disliking this film when it came out. I seem to remember quite enjoying. It. I de- you know I definitely watched it a couple of times on DVD after buying it. So you know it's it, it's a film that I was relatively familiar yeah. with. But obviously with the you know twenty years of hindsight and other films that are actually good, 
watching this yes, back was yeah. just like I, I said to I said to Kim, I was like, I don't remember hating this film as much as I do now. It's like Ollie said, just, it's, you, we didn't get there, and then it's like, oh, it's new. It's something. Yeah. So everyone, you know, had a lot of good goodwill behind it, and hmm. agreed. But I think that I think the thing with this movie though is that there is a lot of good intention behind it, hmm. but a lot of it is so badly executed. And again, <laughs> it stems down to this: like the narrative that we are presented is not the narrative that was originally supposed to be given to us. And so where it's like chopped down, a lot of it doesn't make sense. I was going to say, along the same kind of lines, I I feel like there's a lot of thought and energy and exercise has gone into this film. And you can see that from like just the opening title sequence. Yes, it's not the best. And from like a graphic designer's point of view, I, I, I cringe at it now, but it is clever. Mm-hmm. I like the Braille text opening sequence. It's it, it's just very clever. Uh, it's a, a, a trick of the lights. And once you see it after the first couple of buildings, you kind of pick up on it as you go through the skyline. And yep. that is very clever. The Braille bit I have no problem with. The, 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 the wire framing of the, uh, of the city is very dated the graphics of that city is yeah but again as lee was saying we are we have been incredibly spoiled over the last few years and but watching it back i don't hate the film now not in the slightest it's not a great film no but i do i can see by watching it that they've tried their damnedest to put a lot into it and it's just a shame that it didn't really like hit all the markers that's kind of part of the issue i have with it i don't i don't hate it hate hate is the wrong word i i kind of i I didn't enjoy it as much and i just think what pinpointed it for me was that throughout the film it just felt like it was trying hard to be cool and edgy and Mm -hmm. oh yeah comic books are cool man yeah yeah oh look at the look at the dutch angle here and look at all this and like every time every time daredevil comes on the screen the camera swoops around it's like we spent a lot of money on this costume get it in every fucking frame and it just felt like oh it was just like it's just trying too hard it's like come on it's it's a ridiculous premise all comic book movies by and large are a ridiculous premise but more recent fair has obviously worked out how to make that less ridiculous and a bit more believable and this one mm-hmm. just felt like very much a product of its time and i hadn't realized how far we've come in terms of like comic book movies in comparison until i've gone back to this it's wild perhaps that's why we're judging it so harshly then because Probably. we're we're judging it by time and mm. and disney now being like the gigantic beast that it is and the money it can throw at the it unstoppable money juggernaut I'm, yeah <laughs> i'm not really sure it's even that anymore i think that even at the like it, it like, i think it was so okay to, like to put this in contemporary terms okay let's like lee you've mentioned about like like the marvel universe and how they've been killing it lately realistically though let's look at the properties that they've released over the last year right Okay, and I'm talking about Multiverse of Madness and uh, Love and Thunder specifically. In terms of the hype, very high, very good, a lot of buzz. 
really keen to watch it. You go and see it in the cinema. Fantastic. You walk it like, like you walk out and just go, yeah, brilliant. And then you go back to it. And then you realize, oh yeah. Love and Thunder's actually <laughs> not good. Kind of a disaster in places. Yeah. 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 Like it's like it's like again, very entertaining. But it's like how I regard The Last Jedi. Good sci-fi movie, bad Star Wars movie. And I get that feeling from from Love and Thunder. It just went too far off in a different direction. It suffered from such sort of sequelitis because Ragnarok was so iconic and was so subtle and was so well done. They kind of took that, dialed it up to 11, and then everyone just went, oh no, we don't want that. And it, it, and I think, I think Daredevil kind of had that sort of similar element where like there's the buzz, there's the hype, you get sucked into it when you're in the cinema. But then you go back and watch it a few times and they just go, oh, wait, that doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> this, this, this is it. Love and Thunder's big problem is, and this film, Daredevil itself, it's trying to tackle too many stories at once. Gore, the God yes. Butcher storyline, yep. and the Jane Foster, they were two, they were separated by years. They were separated by a couple of years. And, and this is a mishmash of all, all sorts of things. And they should have just stuck with the one storyline and seen it through our multiverse of madness let's not forget was a completely different film than what we were told to expect mm. it changed directors I'd, I'd agree with you there and like to before we completely derail I think the biggest problem with Love and Thunder <laughs> is the lack of Loki honestly Thor and Loki mm. playing off each other is some of the best bits of all all three well, yeah, all four uh, all three four, Thor films that he's in and obviously the lack of him in this now is really telling like Thor's great and Thor's funny but Thor's even better when he's got Loki there to play off of as well. Yeah, that's fair. But anyway. Fair. I am going to get us back on track because I am just very firmly aware that we are over 15 minutes into the podcast and we have only gotten to the opening credits. <laughs> like, there is so much to talk about with this film. Um, the opening shots of this movie, I've actually always really enjoyed and this is one thing that does work with the movie is that there are so many homages there are so many tributes to the property buried in this movie they're very well done but the trouble is they make it too meta for generalized audiences to really understand what's happening i mean this this opening shot where you have daredevil draped over across i mean day correct me if i'm wrong uh, is that born again uh that's from no it's from one of the um Oh bloody hell! It's from a Miller. It's been done over and over again. Um, it's like the last shot of the film. It's um, which was taken from Guardian Devil Run. It, but they've 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 used it over and over again in things. Yeah, and... yeah. It's it, it's a very yeah, so annoying. I should have looked it up before we got online. But yeah, it's a it's, it's a very it's a very specific uh cell from from the uh, from the daredevil comic runs and to see that on screen was really really cool but it did also make me wonder because you also have all the helicopters sort of flying around i said why when you know the helicopters are looking for you would you like sit very very precariously on top of a church where you will be very very visible that's like batman if you don't move you can't you know it's like the t-rex don't if you can't move if you don't move <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot yeah, of but the difference is, is that like batman can hide in buildings because he's wearing a gray suit <laughs> daredevil <laughs> is in a red shiny leather suit this this is 
the biggest problem I have with this film is that a lot of it is style over substance. And it's very much like he does a lot of stuff that is like to look cool and, and you know, oh, wow. But actually it's like, mm, it doesn't need it. It's just trying too hard. And that's part of it. I've just flipped through um, one of my comic databases. It's from Kevin Smith's run. It's issue three of Guardian Devil. That's the cover. Yeah. Had he written for Daredevil at this point? While this was going on, yeah. Yeah, no, no, wow. yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, it sort of... Because that's where a lot there's a lot of aspects like that cross shot, like a bit like just before the credits run at the end, it's all from Guardian Devil, which is the the the, the run that Kevin Smith wrote. Because I'm sure I have this, and that's why it all looks so familiar. And I guess because it was at the same time, that's also why I think Smith is in the film. Is he was he because he was a consultant of some sort on the film as well, wasn't he? I think because yeah. he was writing for Marvel at the time. Yeah, he was the one that recommended Affleck for the role. And to be honest, I'm going to put this out on Front Street. I don't think Affleck is bad in the role. Look, like I really don't think he's that bad. He's certainly not the worst thing about it. To a degree, I kind of agree. Like he's not that bad. But there's there's a lot of. I mean, obviously, I don't know Daredevil particularly well beyond like MCU stuff. But like, you know, he's sort of he's playing it very Batman. And I don't know how sort of true well, that is. Before Moon Knight came along, everyone said it was the he was called Marvel's Batman, and, okay. Marvel's Batman. and to me he is more Marvel's Batman than Moon Knight in some respects. But it's yeah. it's gone away over the years and it keeps coming back. But hmm. Matt Murdock is is, is is an arsehole. It's just it's, yeah. it's an, he is an arsehole in the comics. He's a he's a arsehole. yeah he's an asshole player basically. Ooh. He's like which is where I think like like the flirtatious nature, which I'll get into in a bit, uncomfortable as it is. I think works very well. I think like there is a lot because Affleck was also quite a fan of the of the comics anyway, mm. and so he, you know he did have a lot of investment in playing that, and I think that's also something that sticks with Affleck in these sorts of roles. You know, the Batman was was a firm example of that. I'll fight everyone to the hilt about that man playing Bruce Wayne and the Dark Knight. I think he was a brilliant choice. I was firmly against it until I saw the suit. And then I saw the trailer, saw what they were doing with it. I just went, oh, that's great. That's that's Frank Miller. That's that's Dark Knight Right, uh, uh Dark Knight Returns. Really into that. Wonderful. But it's really interesting because like when he was making this. So uh, one thing I want to say, costume. I actually really like the costume in this. I think it was a really good you know, uh, it it it's not got a lot of like love over the years, but I think it was a really good version. Um Affleck was not a fan of it. Apparently, I was reading somewhere that, um, act like like the whole experience of acting Daredevil. It was it was an unpleasant experience. Uh, he stated that he would never reprise the role, having felt um, by playing a superhero in Daredevil, I have inoculated myself from ever playing another superhero. Wearing mm-hmm. a costume was a source of humiliation for me and something I wouldn't want to do again. So, however, of course, in 2013, he then returned to play Batman. But 2013, let, fuck. But let's just look back at it again. It's like, at the time, there weren't... Superhero movies weren't... They didn't have the gravitas that they have now. They don't have. They didn't have the weight. They didn't make the money that they did. So it was kind no. of... You were perhaps seen as like a... 
second-rate actor perhaps hiding behind the mask and hiding behind a costume and a pre-existing character. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, to, to that early 2000s, like a lot of the actors in this film, they are just about to hit their groove, aren't they? Like, Affleck is really, like, becoming Hollywood royalty, as is Jennifer Garner, and Colin Farrell's got, like, two or three films out in the same year. So I'm not surprised that Affleck... I'm surprised he said it, but I'm not surprised that he he didn't want to continue doing and being stuck in, like, Daredevil film after Daredevil film. Like, unlike Hugh Jackman, who obviously saw the great benefits of being who is who is still milking that 25 years old. Well, exactly so is actually was this a missed opportunity by affleck here maybe, maybe but maybe it's a difficult but, one right but I, I would just like to say just to get if we're going back to the film all i could think of yeah was when he's on the spire on top of the cathedral all i could think of was like so, I guess you're wondering how I got myself into this situation. Funny <laughs> yeah. story. And then I was yeah. like, yep. Yeah. Barbara O'Reilly starts playing. Yeah. Well, I was... this, is, this is what's phenomenal about this movie. Like, really think about this now. It's three quarters flashback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, three quarters of this movie is flashback. So when he falls, so when he falls down in the church... And uh, and the the priest tends to him. He takes his hat off, and that's when he makes reference to, you know, your, your life flashes before your eyes. And yeah, that's true for me, even though I'm blind. What the fuck? What? Mm. And he and then we get this flashback to when he was a kid, and then you get this. You just get this really like quick exposition of his life. Where you find it's not uh, that quick. It goes bothered. on for a while. <laughs> it does go on for no fair. I think yeah, it, it feels like it goes on for a while, <laughs> but I I genuinely think it does. It does take up a substantial amount of the film. Arguably, yeah. so you for get the, the backstory. Better, yeah. Oh, you need it. I mean, like then you know you get the you get the whole backstory about his father, Jack Murdoch. I just meant it was more uh, interesting probably... than the rest of the film, but yeah, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> Possibly, but like, what's really fun? I mean, I, I mean, like, right, okay. So, so you have this whole thing where, like, Jack Murdoch is gonna. He wants to. St- how can how can I put this? God, this movie's a mess. So, <laughs> so, so, uh, so you find out that he's a complete. Just, just lose. Like he's he's down on his luck. Just absolute beer-ridden waste of space and matt you know looks after him he's a kid looking after his dad making sure that he's okay and then we cut to next because he said you got to go to school and be a lawyer or a doctor or something and get out of here and then we literally cut is the next scene where he's walking down an alley and then he sees his dad beating someone up because he's uh, because he's working for this gangster called fallon now, that goes really, really quick. And again, it's because the, the director's cut was scaled down to this element that there's a bit that you don't see. And that's because like he actually goes to his dad's place of work first. He doesn't find him by accident. Well, he finds him by accident, but he goes to find his dad first at his job. 
And that's how he finds out that he hasn't been working there for years. And then he finds his dad because he's doing all the muscle work for Fallon. But this isn't my incredulous. My incredulity here is that then when he gets to it, because we jump straight into how Matt loses his sight in the first place, and I've never seen so many biohazard canisters <laughs> in a single place <laughs> in my life. It was like a scene out of Wayne's World. It was just copious. Just like their cup doth runneth over <laughs> with chemicals that will kill you. And... And, and 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 not only that, like, like like the kid had a skateboard too. Why was he running? The if 70s. he was on the skateboard, he might have swerved out the way. The seventies, the they they didn't worry. Like there was biohazard, you know, hazardous waste everywhere. Clearly. Well, this is <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, this man, is funny man. enough. Is in the metaphor, this is where the teenage mutant ninja turtles came from. Because yes. the, the boy that dropped this is Matt Murdock. It's supposed to be. Yeah, it's. <laughs> That's a crossover I'd love isn't to that, see. Well, this is slightly different it to is. the original comic yeah. because I believe <laughs> in the original comic there was a blind man that was going to get hit yes. with the chemicals yeah. and Matt mm. pushes the, the old man out of the way to save him. The whole Jack Murdoch being muscle and being caught and things like that. Oh, oh they play fast and loose with this, quite a lot of this. <laughs> yeah, oh, God, yeah. Yeah. But the whole, like, him finding his dad and being muscle and stuff like that, that doesn't happen. Like, it is just a complete accident because he's saving someone else. Mm. I was just saying, I, I think they move it on at quite a lick because, you know, we haven't, at, yeah, like I keep saying, we haven't seen many, like, superhero films at this point, you know. Is it all that believable? You know, if they just string out a story, you'll end up with, like, the, the Spider-Man story, like, like a, a, him going into uh, a science facility, being bitten by an experimented on spider. This, they're just like, no, right, we're just going to douse him in chemicals and he's going to be... See what happens. Su- yeah, see what happens. You know, we're going <laughs> to... Yeah. What was the TV programme? We're going to Alex Mack him and that's it. <laughs> and we don't want you to, like, stop and think... Alex Mack, that is a... Deep pull, my yeah. friend. But they just don't want you to. St- oh my god! They don't want you to stop and think about how this has happened. So we literally just go straight from. What well, we don't even see the really the aftermath of him being like hosed by bio waste. We see him in the hospital room, and then we skip straight to, like the, emo training montage. Do you not find it funny though? How like look, look, I talk about being in the hospital. That. He he acclimatizes to having ear-shattering powers really quickly. Pretty much, like so quickly. Are uh, they all? Are uh, they all doing the comics in the sixties? Man, they should. The Hulk should. Bruce Banner should have died. Man. I mean, <laughs> Hulk, yeah. Hulk, nothing. He should be dead. <laughs> comic book science, man. Comic book science. made him tougher back then. <laughs> Stanley science. <laughs> Ollie, as you then pointed out, yes, we get the very emo. Uh, training montage, which, okay, I'm going to talk about this a lot during this recording, um, and I'm going to put this out in front of you right now. I fucking love this soundtrack, man. Um, I have it's very so much it's love time. for this soundtrack. Yeah. Full oh, of needle drops. So much nostalgia. Bangers. Absolute bangers. I mean, right. So that training montage is, is um, a song sung by Huberstank, actually. That's how dated that is. 
Yeah, where are most of them now? <laughs> yeah. Well, the track is the uh, the track's called Right Before Your Eyes. I still have this CD. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> a lot of it has, still has places on my playlist. I, I think it's great. It's so, but yeah, it is so early two thousands. It hurts. Twenty year old me would have also loved that soundtrack. <laughs> a banger, absolute banger, and I'm going to be saying that a lot as we go. And we see, you know, we see how Matt's getting used to all his powers and he's doing the whole, you know, Toby Maguire in New York City throwing himself around on top of buildings and things like that. And we get our introduction to Stan the Man. He shows up in his contractually obliged cameo. <laughs> As we know, like he he uh, wrote the first runs of Daredevil, which was 64 five, to 69. Yeah, five years. And uh, I remember reading some of it, like, like he actually apparently did not like the film. He thought it was too tragic. And I just kind of went, you you killed Gwen Stacy. Like, <laughs> really savagely. No, he didn't. That wasn't Stan. That oh, was that not him? That was Jerry, that was Jerry Conway. Stan had left. Ah, uh, okay. It was the second, yeah, Stan had not long left, yeah. Stan Lee left with Spider-Man 101. And Jerry Conway took over and brought in, like, the Punisher and things. You know, he killed Gwen Stacy. Stan was out of New York when it happened. What I what I wasn't a fan of is is the voiceover that's going on here, and like where he talks about his how his newfound like sense of sound, you know, has given him better gave off a kind of radar sense. Yeah, has given mm. him better coordination. It's like, well, hang on, surely just like it just giving him better hearing, and it's also like this acute sense of touch gave him strength and balance. Well, well, no, it wouldn't, would it? You know, you'd just be more <laughs> sensitive to things. You wouldn't be like all of a sudden be able to balance on your hands like, and be like Finch in his um, tantric yeah. sex thing with the ficus. <sighs> but grinding down <laughs> rails. Well, you suppose inner no. ear infections can throw off your balance, though, can't it? True. <laughs> but no. just, just Stanley's science. Just, that I, must I know that's it. But <laughs> yeah. again, it's, it's similar to where you know he's been doused in biohazard we just have to kind of like accept that this happens and then that's it it moves a, a lick here just to just so you can't stop and think is what i think it it's trying yeah. to do it's like no 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 here's here's your rather aggressive soundtrack <laughs> some flashy imagery rather aggressive <laughs> But no, I didn't say rather. I just meant like aggressive is exactly sound. What you said. That is literally what you said. You said rather <laughs> aggressive oh, <okay>. soundtrack. <laughs> but it just helps like this whole sequence move on really quickly. And I know it does Dermot, seem like... Dermot O'Leary would never play this on Radio 2. <laughs> I, I bet he would. It's probably come back around, hasn't it? <laughs> so good you know all the all oh, the God, current the run of like marvel films have all got 80s to 90s soundtrack the, the next run yeah. of like um films are all going to be um emo and new metal aren't they we're gonna have papa roach back at the top of the charts <laughs> <laughs> so you see like, like during this i completely forgot because we get uh, after this whole training montage you know jack murdoch's getting himself back on track and he's He's gonna. He, he's fighting again. He's gonna do it for Matt, and he's gonna. He's gonna win it all. He's gonna take the money. Do they fade out on the montage in this one? 
Because, you know, you should always fade out on a montage. You should always fade out on a montage. Or walk away from an explosion. Yes. One of the two. But I completely forgot because then when we see Jack getting ready for his fight, and that's when you get introduced to Fallon, this guy that you're supposed to be working for. And I completely forgot who played Fallon. Fallon's played by Mark Margolis, who most people would remember for either playing Hector Salamanca in Breaking Bad or Ace Ventura's Landlord in the first movie. <laughs> There's no in between. Hell, yeah. it's, it's one of those two. <laughs> and it's really funny because, like, again, this, this is what I was talking about, about, like, like, deep cuts in this movie that, like, fans of the comics will get but they're a little too deep for other people to really get the most out of because he talks about other boxes that are his fighters and he talks about miller mac bendis and that's references to frank miller david mac and brian michael bendis who either were writing or were artists for the comic or in frank miller's case both <laughs> or in frank miller's case both mm. Well, it does happen a lot in the film because there are characters later on that we meet that are named after. Well, like, it's all the through. fight is against Ooh. John Romita, isn't it? Like, yep. And I just I saw that I was like, oh, that's just like, uh, but is I'm it not senior, the... senior or junior? Because yeah, but I'm I'm not I'm not that sort of I'm not as deep into comics as you guys. But I just saw it and I was like, oh, is that like is that a too trying hard? Is that reference trying too hard? I don't know. I don't know. Why. They really, yeah. If they really, I'll send you this. I'll send you this later because this is a genuine cover that came out, and it's worth quite a bit. It's supposed to say "Assassin," but the way they printed it, it looks like "Ass Pain" on the cover of a Daredevil comic. I'll send you it later. <laughs> that should have been in there somewhere, and I, I've creased. I will send you. I'll send you the image later, and it's a genuine cover. I'll send you it. I have amazing. I have. I have a question about this fight, though. Right. So, uh, so the whole thing is, is that Fallon says you're going to take a dive. You only got here because of me. You're going to take a dive so I can get a lot of money. Otherwise, you're in trouble. But I have a question with the fight where, like, Jack is getting his ass kicked and he's on the mat. Matt is reacting correctly to someone who would be down and out on the mat if they could see. So I don't understand how, because no one's calling the match for him. Echolocation. So how is he... Dude, but my point is, how is he doing that without arousing suspicion to anyone? I see, yeah. You see? Mad. Absolutely mad. So the plot armor of this movie, so strong. Like, it's <laughs> meteorite strong. I mean, just regarding that scene as well, Matt, the devil Murdoch, is meant to be 42 years old. Oh, and that, that's horseshit as well. It's it's not the devil it's either. Like, they made that up as well. It's like it, heck that. Yes, fighting fighting Jack, isn't it? Batman Jack Murdoch. Because mm, spoilers, spoilers for a thirty five year old comic, but but Matt fakes his death and gets because it was nineties. Gets a grey suit with armor plating on it. Because uh, everyone was doing it, and it was kind of rip off of Nightfall, and called himself Jack Batlin. Uh, so if anyone knew, his, they'd have figured it out straight away. But yeah, so yeah, that, oh, that annoyed me as well. Just just to get the devil thing in, it's uh, bullshit. So Jack decides, fuck this, I'm gonna I'm gonna like win the fight anyway. Bashes the guy senseless, wins, and he says, "This is for you, Maddie." And we get this bit where, like, you know, like Matt, oh god, this line. And he goes, "I waited outside the theater that night. Sometimes." 
think I'm still waiting. Shut up, Affleck. I mean, <laughs> you're better than this. Seen Come Snatch, on. seen Mickey, seen Brad Pitt do it. You wrote Goodwill Hunting, man. How are you letting yourself speak these lines? Now, while this is going on, and he, he you know, his spidey sense kicks off, and during this, Jack is being beaten up. Now, we don't know this straight away. We just know that it's supposed to be a heavy of Fallon's. Now, after he's beaten up and shot, a rose is put on top of Jack. Honestly, he may as well have said, you ever dance with the, uh, the devil in the pale moonlight? For fuck's sake. Like, it's just such a... Like, the whole rose thing, I don't know how true that is to Fisk, but, like... I just felt like, oh, how how derivative is this? Because I'm sure the, uh, you know, I would assume the comic book wasn't this derivative of... of... It's very crime alley. There's a lot of Batman parallels in this movie. Mm. I mean, they were kind of also, like, lining it up for, as, as we've said, you know, a lot of it is fan service. So even to, like... There's a very, very small kit clip where you see like someone go to sit in a car and the car just kind of sinks right on its suspension. So you're mm. supposed to go, oh, that's someone obviously yeah. very big. Yeah. That's obviously someone very heavy. So for the fans, you would instantly I felt go. attacked at that point, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, God. I have a question about that, Rose, actually. Like, like. Do, 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 do rose petals cut into your hand? Because I thought the same, <laughs> like exactly the same. Was it was just ketchup a lot. No, it's just a ketchup-filled rose. You know, that's his calling card. He's rose ketchup man. <laughs> by by day, he's a clown. Like yeah, <laughs> he gives you gives you the rose. You scree, you smell it, and ketchup just fires. Hey, that's another Easter egg as well. But you'd have to really not because Kingpin's son became a crime lord known as the Rose. Walk around wearing a gimp mask and and oh. Yeah, so, so it's another. But it's not too much. Too too much. So you get. Uh, so we then jump ahead a number of years, and Matt Murdock is sleeping in this sensory deprivation tank. Right. First of all, how do you sleep in a sensory deprivation tank? I'm genuinely asking because I would be concerned about drowning a lot. Yeah, that's like, the worry, I right? Do not understand how that is. Possible. I mean, how is he not a I'm gonna move crinkly that. prune as well when he gets out of it? No, <laughs> yeah. it's like what this is. This is this is Affleck. He's like smooth. It's like how. <laughs> so then again, I did like the idea that like you know he cranks the sound up full because mm. then the speakers that would clearly send out waves so you can see around the apartment more. I thought that was a really nice touch. Oh, I thought uh, he was I drowning out the, the like the other noise of outside. But yeah, good point. Kind of that as well, but you'd be able to. But I think like the waves from that, he'd be able to mm. see a bit around more more around the apartment, I guess. Around the bat cave, you mean? <laughs> around the bat cave, yeah. Um, and I like this. This was a little thing, but I thought it was a really nice touch that showed that they at least tried to give some credibility to playing a blind person on screen. Was the idea of the the folding of the bills into different shapes for different amounts which i thought was a, it, it's just a nice i just thought it was a nice bit of detail so plot hole for you then so obviously he's got them in like little plastic cases that are all marked in braille as to what denominations they are of the notes how does he get them in there and know that they're the right notes in there bank originally? teller yeah 
I assume he just goes to the bank and gets it. Uh, okay. All right. I, not that I'm, I'm like poo pooing the idea. I'm just, I just genuinely thought. It's a fair like, point. No, it's, it's one like, I hadn't considered, to be fair. I've got I was no. Because like, I thought the same as G. I thought that's, that's really good. I like the way he mm. also has the little tag on his suits. I think that's very clever. I was like, I, I have no way of knowing what it's like mm. to live in that world. And I was just like, that's a really interesting insight. It's really clever. Yeah. So I think it's, a, I don't think they explain it very well. And it is a bit of a control. It's, but his touch, he can actually read properly with his touch. So he knows, mm. it's, it's so said he knows what they, he actually, he doesn't need Braille. He just, he, it's just one of those many props, just like Bruce Wayne is a prop for Batman. And so mm. it's, so it's just there yeah. just to fool the people. And if, Anybody, you know, and he just carries on at home in case anyone comes back there and wonders why he's got this BDSM apartment. <laughs> so we then see Matt Murdock at work. Uh, we see him in court on a on a rape case against Jose Casada, which again, another Marvel reference. The Joe Casada. Don't know how he felt about his name being used as a rapist, but <laughs> we're gonna move swiftly past that. Um. Like, a lot of Dutch angles in this scene as well, and not a very subtle one. Fucking hell, the whole fucking film's on tilt, man. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I was like, at least like when Kenneth Branagh did it in Thor, it was like in a few select places. This was like every second cut was like a Dutch angle of something. Nothing, everything's on the wonk, I mean, I had to laugh because like when he, he turns his head and listens to Casada's heart to know that he's lying, it was not subtle. <laughs> like, it was so much of a far turn that everyone should have gone, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, a bit of family guy where Stewie's head just goes, like, sideways to yeah. Brian. <laughs> and, and again, we just, we like, we miss so much because, like, you cut away to, to outside, Casada goes away free, and Favreau, who's playing Foggy Nelson, pre-Iron Man, uh, playing... The man does not age. No, he does School not. School of Keanu, that man. Yeah. Play, playing Murdoch's partner. And he says, oh, like, uh, oh, how can he afford a great attorney like that? We've not seen how this attorney is great. Like, he just literally poked holes at Murdoch's witness, like, like, like the plaintiff, and that was it. Like, we've not seen evidence that he's a good attorney at all. But the idea is, is that like Kingpin's footing the bill. And so legal system has failed. And so now it's time for Matt to go to work at nighttime. And that's when we see this, I'm going to say it, it's a pretty solid costume change. I think it's like, I always thought it was, it was pretty good. And you see the extent like the Billy Club and how that's been converted and how that works. It's no Joel Schumacher ass cheeks. No, <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> I do have some incredulity <laughs> about the Billy Club because I do not understand why Ben thinks it's a Ben, why Matt thinks it's a good idea to use his cane with the symbol as the club. And as we know, that's going to come back to bite him in the ass much later. And then we see like him doing like running all around the city and going to go and find Casada and things like that. Uh, no, that's what you actually see the... him doing is causing a ton of criminal damage to a bunch of like window washing platforms and, and things like that for, unnecessarily like those platforms are going to fall off and kill someone right yeah 
They would, yeah. Had, had he not landed on them badly, they would have been fine. I, I totally with Lee on this. I was like, why the heck would he start a fight in a packed out dive bar? Dive bar when it appears that everyone and their mum is packing heat. <laughs> it absolutely is ridiculous. It's like just wait for him when he comes to the car park. Mm. And pop him there. He's like unnecessarily killed like a dozen people as well. <laughs> He's got that on his conscience when he wakes up. Doesn't he kind of like, like the implication of the shot is that he kind of, he gets there and he sort of listens in and then he essentially Ant-Man's through that vent and then ends up in the rafters. Because <laughs> how else does he like, it you is. Don't, obviously it's implied he gets in somehow, but it's just very odd that the shot leads from him hearing it outside to going through like a vent to then him being in the rafters all of a sudden. Yeah. This scene is honest to God insane. Now, I I, I just need to make a little highlight of, so the, the, the you know, there's the guy that turns around to Casada, indicates up to Daredevil oh, they see in the rafters. I know where you're going with this, yeah. Yeah, you know this. Mm. So, uh, so that hood is, is played by a gentleman called Tanoi Reed. Public address system, I think you need to. <laughs> you wouldn't want to pick a fight with him no. for a number of reasons. So, yeah, no, for, so no. one, he's a Hollywood, he's a famous Hollywood stuntman. Uh, another is that he is cousin to future United States President Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> that's the, that's the Rock's cousin. He's actually he's actually stunt doubled for him on a number of movies. Hmm. Um, yeah, this bar scene, this 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 fight is just ridiculous. Um, but again, the soundtrack comes back to really like 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 take the lead on this. A lesser known track by Nickelback, actually called "Learn the Hard Way." Um, it's just oh, it's just brilliant. Love it. Um, but I, I I have so many moments where just like so 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 Daredevil is a bit where he shoots his grappling hook up into the ceiling fan, and then he and, and then he zip lines up, and I just watched. It and I went, no, dead. You are not. <laughs> You're not surviving that. Your head is going to hit the fan. To be honest, I don't think the fan could have taken his weight. Like <laughs> it would have ripped the fan out of the ceiling, if anything. Like <laughs> now, I can't remember if this is in the director's cut, but I did actually sit there and wonder how did each pool table set on fire? I wondered that so uniformly. Like there's a wonderful moment that actually gets taken out. For the for the theatrical cut, and it's a brilliant one where he Daredevil is actually kneeling in the fire, and yet and he has this line where he says, "Casada, it's time to give the devil his due." And I thought I actually really enjoyed that bit, and it's a shame that we didn't get that. But the, I can see it; they wanted to try and make this very stoic, nasty piece of work, vigilante. And he walks through the building, but then we see him jump down from the top. <laughs> Like he's all over the place. I did like the bit in the subway, though. It's, 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 you know, I thought it was an interesting little tact where he gets very disorientated by the sound of the subway. But it is almost like, nah, sound is his kryptonite. But then potentially skipping ahead slightly here. Like, how much time has he got before the police arrive to set up his logo? Yeah, see, I, right. So, okay. I know. I'm I need with Lee. To, I need this to is talk ridiculous. This. Why is he concealing lighter fluid on him? <laughs> what is the point in that? So, yeah, and that's it. He's taking have, the time to like get the accuracy on that on that double D, and not ju- not just from like serifs on it. Right, exactly. Like so that you can <laughs> yeah. look at it yeah, yeah, from yeah, a yeah, very yeah. specific angle 
that it looks perfect. But He's had to plan re- that. But then also, it it gets reflected wrong in in uh, uh, Ben Ulrich's glasses. I was literally about to say <laughs> yes. that the most expensive mistake in this movie. That's like twenty thousand dollars <laughs> gone, and it's because yeah, like like so so okay, so. On the run to this, we find you know I'm, I'm going to get back to this now, but uh, but just for but just for covering bases, uh, Casada uh, tr- uh, tries to attack Daredevil. Daredevil knocks him down, and he goes onto the tracks, and Daredevil allows him to die. Very much a Batman move, where he just uh, and, and and just allows him to die. Essentially, does kill him though, and it just Straight made me go, murders him. Yeah, has Daredevil killed many people? Um, yes, now. Other than, mm, I mean, he hasn't even killed Bullseye. Like, there's one. There's one thing I want to get into later. But Daredevil has has killed Bullseye a lot, um, <laughs> or he's 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 perforated him a lot, and I'll get into that in a bit. Um, but yeah, this whole thing about the symbol on the floor—one, how does Urich see it so easily? You got Joe Pantoliano playing Ben Urich as this as, as this gumshoe newspaper reporter, and he and he sees it immediately. And he throws down his cigarette. And yeah, Lee, as you pointed out, it's reflected wrong in the glasses. It doesn't make any sense. It's purely there for us, but it makes no sense whatsoever. It's a glitch in the Matrix. Yeah. (laughs) Also, why is he smoking in the subway? I'm pretty sure that's banned even then. Also, you notice he comes down the steps and there's already a lit cigarette or, you know, a smoking cigarette on the floor, implying that he's thrown it there and then gone up past it and walked back down again. In a a previous take. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, oh god, such a mess again. And so, and so, like after this, like Matt goes back to his apartment. Why does he take his mask off outside the door? Like he's on top of the building. He's still in his daredevil armor, and he takes his mask off, like in like right at the top of the building. Makes no sense at all. But then it doesn't really matter because the, his entrance to his lair is at the top of a building for anyone to see anyway. Yeah. So, it, whether he the takes it off, yeah, call it he, the back cave. <laughs> yeah, but that is another thing. When he goes in, he has the most elaborate like wall decoration and like carvings, and he doesn't even make a point of like of touching them to feel like the fresco. They're just there. It's just like why? Yeah, that's what does it? Nelson's job later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually had to look something up here because when he, when we when we go into the apartment and he's, you know, gearing himself down, plays the answer machine and Heather's ringing his, um, well, as we find out at that point, ex-girlfriend, who's a, a character called Heather Glenn. Oh, yeah. And I thought, I wonder who's voicing Heather. It's Colin Farrell's sister. I thought it was an Irish Which I didn't realise. I just thought, like, who is it? Yeah, and I, yeah, I looked it up. It's uncredited, but it's Colin Farrell's sister. Proof of our soulishness on straight from the comics and he was such a dick to her. he was he was seeing black widow behind her back and she got so depressed she hung herself matt's got multiple dead ex-girlfriends an ex-wife in witness protection uh, this man should not be allowed near women mm. <laughs> <fucking> stop <laughs> unreal and uh, like 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 as a side note do you know anyone that actually choose painkillers like crushes them in their mouth. It's a very Hollywood thing I see a lot of the it's time. A Simpsons reference. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do know someone who does that. Is it you, Ollie? 
no, it's not. It's not me. It's not me. <laughs> but I, but I, I do know someone who does that. And I am baffled that someone can actually do that. But he does take a rather like excessive amount of painkillers. I, I, okay, I appreciate that he gets beaten up a lot, but... Oh, mad. Absolutely mad. So then we see, you know, we get we get to the following day and we find out that he has this confidant, which is the the, the, the priest that we see earlier, technically later, uh, who's a character called Father Everett, which again is a is a Daredevil artist reference, a man called Bill Everett. And then we, you know, we go back to see Favreau, the meeting at a coffee shop that day, and we have this, you know, we have this playful banter between them. Particularly when the two, you know, like Foggy, Foggy wants to represent more wealthy people that have done bad things, and so they'll pay more. And Matt's all about the paying, like doing pro bono cases that people are going to give goods instead of money, and, and and you know, like good people and honest working people. Can we just take a moment to to note that when he thinks he's putting the honey in his drink and it's actually mustard, how much honey is he putting in that coffee? <laughs> syrup or whatever the hell it is he's squeezing in because fuck yeah. me that's just like I thought about this as well I was like how much does he want but then he obviously already knows that it's been switched so that's why he's over like egging it I'm guessing Possibly. Hmm. I mean uh, I need to talk about so we are about to meet Electra Nachios enter Jennifer Garner fresh off the set of Alias, sporting green contact lenses that in HD look mental. They look in- inherently inhuman, don't they? <laughs> like the contact lenses she is wearing there are out of this world. They just do not look right. Is that an aspect of Electra itself? Because like, my only experience of Electra is, well, this film and uh, the, uh, the Netflix Daredevil series. Why, why has she got green contact lenses otherwise? See, I don't. I, I, I mean, Day. I don't know about you. I don't remember Electra's eyes being. No, green. I think they're brown. Because, of course, she's supposed to be Greek. Greek as yeah. well. And that's like, like, yes, yes, Jennifer Garner. <laughs> Famous, famously Greek Jennifer Man. Garner. I'm guessing it's to kind of make her stand out, which seems a little bit daft considering the person she's attracted is blind. So it's like it's like a scene out of Sin City. <laughs> it's like, like, like it's like mo- it's like that moment i'm pretty sure it was goldie like you see the eyes and they just all of a sudden just ah no i tell you what it it's is Kevin's it's not goldie Converse. it's the opening scene with josh hartnett no 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 no, no, no. it's the it, it, it's the blonde the opening scene of sin city the one with josh hartnett when they're on the rooftop he he makes reference to her eyes and they just gleam for like a split second they just flash <laughs> like in colour, and it just reminded me of that. It just stood out and not in a good way. It just really jarred like in comparison to the rest of the film, and that's really saying something. Keep going. But just just before that, though, what I would have to say is, I know he's supposed to have good smell, but, I mean, I've been to New York twice. There is no way he is smelling through a New York City wall to, <laughs> yeah. to, to smell her coming down the road. There is no chance. I mean, I don't care who he is. It ain't happening. Right, so I just want to... Uh, I want to move this along a little bit because I want to talk about this this flirtatious fight in the park. You mean the Matrix scene? He's literally... Yeah. He's, one, he's one or two frames away from doing the, like, you know, the come on, 
like gesture. Yeah, I want to talk about this fight in the park that took four 12-hour days to do, apparently. Fucking hell. me. Now, okay, first things first. I actually really like the bit where he throws his cane up and he takes his jacket off and uh. he catches it again. <laughs> I just thought that was really funny. <laughs> it was just really cheesy, but it kind of worked. Cheesy, definitely. I think that's what I find in this sequence. I find that he just all of a sudden, like, there's a load of smarm comes out of him mm. and I don't like it. I... I <laughs> I, I, I said kind of earlier off off air. off, yeah. off audio that he, he, I kind of really got like Holden McNeil vibes from Chasing Amy. I really all of a sudden found that I didn't like I didn't like him as a character here. <laughs> I, I just found yeah. him really smart, smarmy. I almost judgmental because. Mm. What you about him or or, or him in general? What, what about Affleck or um, yeah? About about the character, it's like one. Why would he be so bothered about how attractive she was? You know, he is not taking no for an answer. Exactly, yeah, and not in an, and 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 not a in a reasonable bit. way. Yeah, it's it's just I find it. It's not the most uncomfortable of watches, but it's just uncomfortable and it's unnecessary. Yeah, why is how I feel yeah. about it. But okay. to, to go back to the fight scene, I I'm not as big a fan as you. It's pretty cheesy. <laughs> Oh, that's awful! I hated it. Oh no, the fight! Oh no, the fight itself is crazy. I just like the bit where he throws the stick off, takes his jacket off, and then catches it. Okay. Again. The rest, mad, absolutely insane. She has blue eyes, and Jennifer Garner has brown eyes. So fuck knows why. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> so that's so that I just thought, let's make them green. Yeah. Mm. God only knows. Because <laughs> she might blend also, in with all the like, other people who don't have green eyes in this film that she looks like. <laughs> How how is no one calling the police during this fight? Oh, the kids! A grown just man it. is attacking a woman, and a load of kids is yet just yelling, "Fight! Fight! Fight! Fight!" That fair enough. She is kicking his ass. No one's calling the police. See, on the reverse side of it, it also looks like a woman beating up a defenseless blind man. So, you know, there is that. who's the perpetrator here? There is that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But that's not the only time that the police aren't called in this film <laughs> i'll be honest because we're just the rest of the film because we're just about to meet colin farrell not yet no well, okay no 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 no, no, we, no, no, we, no. We, hold on hold on because i want to talk about the introduction of yeah. the legend the late great michael clark duncan playing wilson fisk playing the kingpin and i'll be honest killing it mm. in this movie absolutely crushing it um, and plus, like, introducing him <laughs> to Rockstar from NERD, I mean... No, it's... Um, lap dance. Yeah. Oh, it's lap mm. dance, sorry, not Rockstar. Yeah, like, sorry, lap dance. Absolute killer bass line on that. Mm. Oh, riff, what a sorry. track. Love that song to this day. It is funny, though, because, because like, Michael Clark Duncan, he's, like, like, the Kingpin is a mountain. And Michael Clark Duncan, while he is a big guy he's not a tall guy like in comparison to that character didn't need it though i think i think the thing is it's actually i I thought the casting for him was actually really good like he actually makes a very good alternative kingpin like don't get me wrong but they did elevate him though they did make him taller they had him on boxes and all sorts and 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 like wearing lifts to get that element of kingpin Mm. being taller because 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 affleck's six four 
So they had to get some okay, height yeah. difference with him as well. I think what helps with his character, I mean, it is inspired casting. And it's sad that I have actually read a couple of articles in the last couple of days because it's just turned 20 that there was a lot of blowback about his casting, which is such a shame. Yeah. I don't really want to get into that. But it what makes him so imposing is is also his outfit the kind of suits they put him in and that they give him yeah. a cane. Now the cane kind of him gives him a, a sense of like regality and maybe pompousness, but it also... I love the fact that you see it as regality. I wrote down that pimp stick. <laughs> but but, but that, that's like kind of the dual nature of it. And, and it also yeah. implies that perhaps it it does give him a sense of grandeur and heights that perhaps he does and he needs the cane to kind of support him because he's such a mm-hmm. mass of a person as well like he is so sizable that he you know he needs support for himself i need to i need to talk a second about the fact that like one thing that did like legitimately was just freaking me out for a while in this with this movie is uh wesley his his counsel his highlights <laughs> in this movie freaked that me out that man should is far too old to have frosted tips Honestly, oh, like Guy was... Fieri, for fuck's sake. It was terrifying. Actually, go back to what you were saying, Ollie. The King Pini is one of the greatest things that Daredevil stole from Spider-Man. As he originally appeared in Spider-Man 50 and was originally going to be African-American and they decided against it in the end because the story it involves in a tablet. But also, while Spider-Man is at uni, there's a lot of um, race protests about the Spider-Man supporting cast. Um, Jonah's assistant at the Bugle is Joe Robertson, who is black, one of the first black characters in Marvel Comics. And his son mm. was involved in the race riots at um, Empire State University. So it was all going to be an influx of new black characters and they decided maybe a bit too many and having a black villain may not go well go over well with our readers. So they changed them at the last minute to what he is today. Interesting. Right. Okay. So all we then get the introduction that you were about to talk about which is something that i did yeah i think i could like legitimately talk for about an hour alone on this character where we get introduced to colin farrell playing the assassin for hire bullseye with another banger of a track which is uh, house of pain and top of the morning top of the morning's here you know both of those tracks not on the soundtrack i've, I've got the albums with them on it's fine it was probably Don't a licensing thing yeah Interestingly, so DJ see- Lethal was in House of Pain before he was in Limp yeah. Bizkit. <laughs> I did find, like, with this, is that, like, okay, so the thing with Bullseye in the comics is that, like, he 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 wore a costume, yeah. right? So there was a level of inconspicuous nature of the character that could at least remove the costume and you wouldn't know. He's not blending in very much with that <laughs> target carved into his forehead, is he? That's, like, like you're... You're definitely well known if you're walking around with that. Although I believe, and and Day, I don't know if you know this to, to back up. I'm pretty sure there's a moment in the comics where he does actually get that carved into his head. Yeah, and it's also what a lot of the MCU that we know, especially the Avengers, is based mm. on the Ultimate Line, which was sort of based in the real world. And for a while, they tried to make it if things were in the room this is where the sam jackson nick fury comes from came from there like and if the characters died in the universe they could not come back at all they were gone gone and 
yeah. bullseye there. He had it all. He had tattoo. He had tattoos and that on his head, and so it was. It was a more realistic view, and it's and it ran ran for years and years, and brought us Miles Morales as well. For obviously, who everyone knows from Spider Verse. Um, so that's it's from there as well. Another Brian Michael Bendis track, uh, character actually as well. Sorry, no, 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 my fault. I think it's probably the better decision that they went down this road because I think Damien would probably have to clarify this, but his costume as Bullseye isn't like the best. Black it's spandex, pre- isn't it? It's pretty With daft. It's either it's it's blue, isn't it? Is it blue it's or blue black? And white. It's yeah, and then it's got like white black, stripes. They and, print black, black then, yeah, so yeah, and it's, yeah. it's it's not the most inspiring of costumes. With, with, it with looks, targets, on, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. It looks pretty daft. It almost looks very like nineteen sixties. Mm. So the Punisher with a cowl and a big circle on his chest, basically. Yeah. So, so I think yeah. it was a wise decision to to move away from that. What I, what I like, have incredulity about is how he just like gets away with killing someone in a pub and just walking out, and no one. No one bats an eyelid. Nothing's mm. raised. It's like they're making out that, like, you know, he's a bad guy. Therefore, he's cool. He can get away with it. I, I don't like that about this character. He also kills a man with acupuncture. Let's just make that clear, right? It's not a poison, poison yeah. paperclip. It's just yeah. several paperclips in the throat, which would fucking hurt. But I don't think it would kill you. Well, let's talk about this paperclip thing for a minute because I'm still not 100% sure. Like, I'm still trying to work out, one, that, like, they don't look like paperclips in his throat. Like, that was a chunky old paperclip that he was holding. It looks more like needles, doesn't it, pins? Yeah, because part of me just went, is that the same paperclip and he's just flicking chunks off it? Or does he have no, it's implied an army of paperclips that, that he's a one-man stationery shop? It's, what, like a walking whole, whole box box of them in his pocket? Walking Ryman's. Well, as we as we find out later in the movie, Bullseye is very into close-up magic. Like, there's lots of sleight of hand stuff going on here, and he's very, very, very in love with that paperclip. Well, the noises that come out of him. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, not to jump ahead, but I really don't like like the sexualization. <laughs> that he that he has with like his murders and mm. his fighting, I I just find it really cringy and unsettling and really unnecessary. Yeah, the both bad guys in this film are very much of the, you know, that kind of era of of bad guy trope where it's all like maniacal laughter and and very much mm. unhingedness, but it's sort of. I think Michael Clark Duncan's playing it a lot cooler he, than that. He though. I don't think we can. I, I don't think we can bandy him in with that. I think Colin Farrell. Every everyone in this movie is playing a character from a comic book. Colin Farrell is playing a cartoon. Yes, yes. <laughs> he is. But like no, like Michael Clark Duncan's Kingpin is great. Don't get me wrong. I think you know if he was still around, he would he would easily you know done a great job in in more modern movies but there's still a you know there's a different take on the kingpin compared to vincent d'onofrio's one whereas vincent d'onofrio's is really fucking sinister and about and prone to bouts of rage this is like yes there's a little bit more like you know he actually does laugh openly at various things later on and stuff i was gonna touch on this later but we're, 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 what we've got now is we've got one person overseeing all who's been in Evolve with Marvel movies going all the way back to Blade, including yeah, including this one. I noticed yeah. his name. Yeah, uh, yeah, Kevin Feige has been there, and if it's not right, it doesn't get in. 
and it yeah. has to yeah so so the Netflix and now the MCU version of the kit is comic accurate whereas this is more we say yeah he will chew the scenery a little bit here mm. and I'm not I'm not scared of this king but I am terrified to be around Vincent D'Onofrio as well and around car doors I am I would not be running by a car <laughs> no way <laughs> But he does have to make him his presence known in this because he is only in it for mere mm. minutes. I mean, I don't even know if it equates to like a whole five minutes of this film. That it's not he, a lot of screen. Time. I'd say the, probably about it. No, he I'd, plays the king. I'd, I'd say like five, maybe ten minutes. Mm. Tops. Yeah. So yeah. he really does have to like make himself known. He really, I wouldn't say he like chews the scenery, but he does give it a, a lot of welling. And he's hamming it up. Yeah, for sure. But not in a derogatory way. It's really on point for this film. So we find out the reason why Bullseye gets uh, a message and he's being called to New York by the Kingpin. What is happening is, is that he's setting up uh, a partner of his, a business partner, Nachios, who we find out is Electra's father. Played by Master Rahul from Destiny himself. Yes. <laughs> and, of, and of course... Leader of the Medjai mm. as yes. well in the, the mummy. mummy yeah. Yes, the first one. I was going to say the Mummy Returns, no, no, but it's, it's just the Mummy. One. Yeah. Also, also with another Destiny voice actor. Yes, very true. Yeah. Oh god, what a oh god, I love that movie. <laughs> so the thing is, is that Wilson Fisk, who is the Kingpin, things are starting to rumble. People are starting to ask questions about the Kingpin. Not that that is a thing at all in this movie. Like, there's more deal being made about this, which, again, stems down to the director's cut where things are actually coming about. But it's a plot point in this that isn't really a plot point. Like, everyone's panicking over something that's shown no evidence whatsoever of actually happening. So he's going to set Nachios up to make him look like the Kingpin, and then he's going to have Bullseye kill him. So then there endeth the paper trail... Fisk can go about his business behind the scenes again. While this is going on, we cut back to Matt and Foggy, right? And Matt's catching him up on the, you know, assaults that he <laughs> was involved in in the in, in the children's play area. <laughs> this I need to talk about this because I'm not sure this was okay by 2003 standards. Like when he says to he says to foggy oh her name's electra nachios and he goes she sounds like a mexican appetizer is that okay <laughs> fuck no i have concerns i'm not sure anymore but this is what i was earlier when i was when we were talking earlier about other movies that try and crack this has got parts of the mini series the man without fear which is his daredevil's childhood yeah part of the frank miller run which is the bullseye electra thing uh and a bits from all over the shop, like Guardian bits of it's like, the whole thing. Because well, Electra's dad, he died when they were in college. There was a, a terrorist took over the university, the college or the university, whether he where he was giving a speech, and he got shot during it. Died there, so there was no never tied to the kingpin in the comics. The whole thing is Electra wants to be kingpin's assassin, so does Bullseye. Kingpin's sort of amongst themselves. Whoever wins. Is uh, will be on my payroll permanently. That's yeah. that's you know just why complicate it? <laughs> yeah, this is the thing. Like like in the comics, Electra is a villain for mm. years. Side note: While I think of it, um, can I request that in post you add in the riff from Lap Dance anytime we mention Kingpin? 
deal. <laughs> Dirty dog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure we can get away with that in the lies. So, can't we? So. It's, it's less than 30 seconds, right? Yeah. Yep. Less than 30 seconds and it's in review. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that bit's going on. This is where the movie really starts to jump around a lot because then we jump on a plane where Bullseye is traveling from England to America where he sat next to this old lady regaling him with the story of her life, which, again, not okay. Like, she sat there talking about a semi-colored fellow who did very well on the internet. I thought, what? Yeah. This isn't someone like like you've written this line. This isn't something that some random old person is saying. Is it deliberate though? Because he kills her. Is it to make it more sympathetic that he kills her? Because otherwise he's just no, like, no, just kills her because she's an annoyed. Because she's annoyed. I think yeah. they've just gone for just kills her because she won't. Shut I think up. they've just gone for a stereotype of a person. Ooh. This is this is yeah. what an older person of this generation there, would say, and it, it's not are, wrong. Or it's just it's of, yeah, it's not incorrect. Sorry, no, but he. <laughs> All he had to do was put his headphones back in and he wouldn't He never it. took them out. No, he takes... He has them in the whole time. He takes them out at the start. For he more takes peanuts. them out because, he's hit, because he wants it because he wants to hear a die. Yeah, and it's just like, and just, takes just keep out. the headphones in. You wouldn't even hear us speak. It'd be un- hmm. But it's that whole more thing peanuts, of... please. It's that whole thing of him, like, getting off on it, isn't it? Like, this is to make him seem more evil than his character probably really is. True. There are two quite funny outtakes from that. Actually, one was um, like 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 both have sort of happened after she has has passed. Um, there was one bit where he he tilts her head back and gives her a, a a peck on the forehead, or something like that, which wasn't scripted, and she then lifts her head up and just starts grinning at yeah. him, <laughs> which catches him off guard. Uh, and uh, what's the other? One? Oh yeah, the other one is he, he he just he just goes off on one randomly talking to the camera, just j- just in his Irish accent, and he goes, "It's a pain in the arse." Irish people are always saying arse. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Bullseye's Irish. I'm always playing Americans. It's fucking confusing. <laughs> is Bullseye actually Irish in the comics? No. no. Uh, okay. But for some reason, they just thought mm, we don't like his American accent in this. We're go- we're gonna we're gonna. Change it and you can be Irish. No, he's, he's ginger and has multiple personality disorder as well. He's got multiple names and may well have been an assassin for the CIA. Who knows? That's the thing that actually works really well. Like like, like season three of Daredevil on on on. Well, what used to be Netflix was great because that actually got it very well done. Because interestingly, though, they get him to do his Irish accent. Even that that same year, he has. Um, SWAT come out where he plays an American and phone booth and phone which actually I think God, phone booth is really phone underrated. Booth is great, yeah, yeah I love that, that is good. So we we know he can do it. It was just an interesting decision for him to kind of like really up his Irish accent for this for this film yeah. as well. Maybe it was a case like like he says, isn't it? He's always playing Americans, so maybe he'd done those quite quick succession. He's like, I don't want to do any more American accents for a while. Maybe, because yeah. when did the recruit come out with Pacino? Was it was Al Pacino in that one? It's De Niro, isn't it? Is it De Niro? I can't remember, but that, that's a really good film anyway, The Recruit, where he plays a, a young American CIA, CIA operative. Isn't that that's after this, though, isn't it? Is it? 
No, that was 2003. Yeah, so he had that. He had that. I just remember him being... He had some banging films and this. Yeah, I just remember seeing him a lot on the big screen at that point. He soared so close to the sun (laughs) and then he made Alexander. (laughs) So there's one thing with this movie that I think they don't... I don't think they push the envelope through enough with. And that's when... So we get this whole thing with Daredevil... um, uh, you know, he's chasing after a criminal in in, in, in Hell's Kitchen, uh, where he lives. And he has a moment where, like, he's beating the guy up, we find out, in his own apartment. And the guy's kid is in the kitchen just bawling his eyes out, thinking the Daredevil's going to hurt him. And he has this moment where he says, I'm not the bad guy, kid. I'm not the bad guy. Yeah. and, and I'm but, bad. but I think, like, <laughs> yeah. like, I just don't think, they play enough on this confliction that he's facing with at the moment. And he's realizing like, okay, like, like I'm doing some, I'm doing some pretty nasty shit, but like, like, like there has to be a line and he hasn't found that line yet. And I don't think this, this is where I think, I think there's too much going on with this film for like, for a film that has virtually no story whatsoever. There's a lot of threads going around. There's lots of things happening rather than say, focusing on that character and the early goings, like they were saying, like man without fear or something like that. And, uh, and having, having that journey to where he is now and having those lines that he does not cross. And we don't get to see that. Um, let, let, lest we forget, he full on kills a man at the beginning of this movie, <laughs> letting him letting a train run over him. Proper Frank Castle shit. But instead of just letting it happen, and they could wonder, oh, maybe it was Daredevil, maybe it wasn't. He's gonna allow a flammable liquid <laughs> as evidence to just go, Daredevil was here. <laughs> like, like, like you full on just admitted to murder. You moron. <laughs> You're a lawyer. Like, you should know this is not a good idea. Well, and that comes out to bite him in the ass many a time. Oh, doesn't it? Just. Yeah. Now, so, okay. So we, we we cut to the next day and he's walking to his office, right? And we are greeted by the secretary, Karen Page, who's played by uh, Ellen Pompeo uh, from Grey's Anatomy. Again, I can't remember if she plays a lot more of a part in the director's cut, but you don't hire the lead of Grey's Anatomy in for a 30-second scene. It felt like very wasted. <laughs> You're doing this. <laughs> Especially considering who that character is. Yes. Or well, yes, exactly. But, right, I need, to, I need you all to remember this one date. I need you to remember 24th of July, 8pm. All right? Remember that. The invitation that they are faced with for this ball. Remember uh, that date. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just remember that because I'm going to yeah. come back to that in a little while. <laughs> now, there's uh, there's a whole like exchange with Foggy and Matt and it's all quite fun. And, you know, it's that banter between Affleck and Favreau. It's all very well and good. And then we cut later and then we get this moment with Electra and Matt outside. And he turns around and she says, I knew I'd find you. That scene makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. In the like in the in the director's cut, it's because that she gets pulled into a limo that her father has sent, and Matt says, "How will I find you?" And she turns around and goes, "I'll find you." So much more context. That absolute batshit just does not make hmm. sense because the last time that you see them, they're just walking down the street together. You don't see them parting ways. 
So you don't know how they've left it, and then she just magically appears. Cut on top of the roof, when he goes saying, oh yeah, this is my favourite view as a kid, I just really wanted you to see it. What? Like, this is some really fast-moving stuff here. It's not that great a view either, really. And... But like also like like he has that speech about like each time a, a, a raindrop hits a fresh surface it's it creates a sound and it's like i can see again how does that not freak her out like let's be honest here like the way that the science works in his brain to explain that to her he sounds like a serial killer <laughs> what's it how is it not the complete opposite to what he's saying he he goes to the subway station. There's hundreds of sounds all happening at the same time. He's freaked out by it. He goes onto the roof. It starts raining. Surely all of those raindrops hitting a many thousand surfaces would be like a Tyrannosaurus Rex just screaming in your face. <laughs> <laughs> but but also uh, the water droplets splashing off of like the irises in their eyes. Because how is he seeing the detail on those in that? particular instance when it all starts raining he can he can see plain as day i guess it's kind of like the whole like echo effect isn't it that it's like the the drop or the the sonar the drop then like bounces and yeah ah see what you're doing there is applying real world science to this (laughs) clearly bonkers (laughs) film (laughs) this right i did it but this is where we build up to you know like he, he he sees her and says oh you're so beautiful Yes, and go on to, well, before we get onto that, we have this moment where, like, they kiss, and then he hears, like, someone getting their ass kicked in the in the distance, and he's about to leave, and she goes, and she says, "Stay, stay with me." Where we go to the most awkward and slow intimacy scene I've it's ever like seen. It's like the one in, in the movie. room, if I'm honest. It was very <laughs> strange, but. My, it, it it annoys me because again i always go back to this director's cut far better because in the director's cut that does not happen in the director's cut he leaves her ass on the rooftop <laughs> he does the right thing <laughs> but in this in this cinema version the one that we got in general until much much later murdoch's just thinking with his dick and goes, it's like, man, he's, he's fine. Someone will call the cops. It's fine. <laughs> they, he has had more women. Than, the only board, Tony Stark is probably the only other Marvel character that's had more women than Matt Murdock. <laughs> Are they trying to make out that this is like a, a change in him now? Because we've already had it at the start of the film where he gets the phone call from his, well, ex-girlfriend saying... Where are you, Matt? You're never around. Where do you go at night? What do you get up to? Yeah. Because he's fighting crime. And now he's finally met someone that he's prepared to not do the right thing for. He's going to stay in with her. Is that what they're trying to imply here? Well, apparently all he needed was just a good bang to get a decent night's sleep. (laughs) Because after this scene... Yeah, he's not in the. No, no, he's not. No, and he's not. No, he's not in. There's none of that. He's not. He's not in the sensory deprivation tank, and apparently he slept through the first fall, (laughs) and has been invited to a do-over in August. Because when he wakes up, and yeah, because when he wakes up and looks at the invitation, it now says thirteenth of August, Wednesday, thirteenth August, thirteenth. Yeah, the 13th of August at 7pm. I hadn't noticed that at all. I didn't know what you were were talking about, the 24th of July. Yeah. 
That was I think by the, by the point in in the film now, I was losing the will to live a little bit, and my notes had <laughs> stopped. So, oh god! I mean, we do, we do, we then jump to like the ball. Like, there's no fucking around anymore. Like, we then get to yeah. the ball, and like we find that Ben Urich's there, and yeah, why is he there? Pass. Maybe, <laughs> but, but what was re- what was really funny with that is that he like he seems really quick to be very suspicious of Matt Murdock. For no reason at all. I mean, like, for no reason at all. Because, like, Murdoch talks about the kingpin and the and the papers that Yurik's been writing. He says, it sounds a little far-fetched, don't you think? And he very pointedly aims at him and just says, well, so's a guy, so's a vigilante going around the streets every night pretending it's Halloween. It's like, it seemed like he was trying to make a point without any shred of evidence whatsoever. He was fishing for something, but you had no reason, or there's no... No reason given why he would be fishing, why he would have suspicion. Yeah, and it irritates me because in the comics it took years. He was piecing it together bit by bit by bit, and then, as in this, he does he does the right thing. Says no, 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 I'm not going to do it. You know, but it took it took him ages, and it, every little scrap, and you saw him actually work it out instead of this bullshit. Yeah. In, in, instead of Matt Murdock being dumb enough. Mm. To have a devil on his blind man's cane, mm-hmm. which is also forms his billy club. I'm gonna. I, I've left that pause there for effect. I'm not going to edit it. <laughs> I'm leaving that to say because I'm genuinely flabbergasted that he thought that was a good move. Also, importantly, someone's designed that. He's not done that himself. No, that's I'm, a very good point. It, it is all this connection to the loss of his father isn't it that's why he's done it i get why he's done it but who's done it and why is he yeah ca- i know just, yeah it doesn't doesn't sit right doesn't doesn't Should work about ten thousand to avoid suspicion as well perhaps it's stark tech <laughs> like maybe this is actually the first entry in the mcu and we just didn't know and like it's not actually foggy nelson he's actually playing happy hogan five years ahead of time <laughs> funnily <laughs> enough favreau was working on a pitch for iron man while making this film hmm Timing makes sense. That would make yeah. sense. Mm. Yeah. Because you're only five years out, so, right, mm, from mm, Iron Man's release. Yeah. So. Mm. I mean, I just don't understand how much time is supposed to have passed in this. Like between like between the roof and between when he sees Electra next. Very, very it's 20, all in his well, head, 24th of July. It's the flashback. To... <laughs> it's, the fla- it's all the pills he's popping. He doesn't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> <laughs> was it even real? Was it all of... It's just his fever dream before he dies, <laughs> right? Mm. The whole film. So what you're saying? This is what you're saying. This is Matt Murdock's Jacob's Ladder mm. scenario. Like you think, like he's, mm. he's bleeding in the church and yeah. he's just playing this out. He's confessing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, bullseye's on the warpath, and he's thrown a pen through Frank Miller's head. <laughs> That's genius. <laughs> Steals his triumph, Bonneville America, and rides off into the night to go and find Nachios, who at this point has grabbed Electra. Because Kingpin has said, you're dead. Basically, he's put a rose in his jacket, which of course is then meant to make us go, oh, wait a minute. Like we didn't know. Call back. Like we had, yeah, like we hadn't yeah. figured it out. <laughs> yeah. And so they're in the limo. Drowning Pool is playing on the soundtrack. Because of course it is. Yeah. 
the most 2000s the of 2000s soundtracks. <laughs> so great. And how does Bullseye know that that's Nachios' limo? It's just a plain black limo. Surely it's valeted and stuff and, like, you know, he's been told this is their number plate, etc. I don't know. I think we're giving the writers too much credit on that. Like, Maybe. he's literally bombing it on a, mi- on a motorbike where he then throws a series of shurikens that he's pulled out from his belt. Explain how that got through yeah, airport right. security. <laughs> do, do, like, like doing an evil Knievel standing on the motorbike seat. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if it's because they they just spent a little bit too much time at the beginning of the film kind of building it all up having the backstory building his relationship with a lecture up that they just kind of had to really rush the ending because that's just the sense i get from it like it all just seems to like happen in the last 20 minutes of this film well not a lot really happens if i'm honest no i know <laughs> but it's as far as stories concerned there doesn't but they do yeah, try, there isn't one they do try to cram a yeah. lot of sequences and scenes in you know you can't say that it's not like a, a full film there's not a it lot it feels like set piece to set piece it doesn't feel like a coherent story yeah so the the editing yeah. is really bad but yes this it may come together with the director's cut but you know to to sit back and go it's fine don't worry the editing can be crap because I'll do a director's cut is is poor really it's not the is kind it not of studio involvement and just like getting the runtime down they're like just just cut out all this unnecessary oh, yeah. and just get the runtime oh it's exactly that yeah. it's exactly well that. yeah i mean that's it and that's that's the studios not having faith in superhero films at that time so that's now why you can get away with a three-hour epic yeah i th- yeah i think there's yeah I, I i think you could have easily made this into the journey that you take with this, you could have easily made this two, maybe even three films, really, mm. and really focus on stuff. Thank fuck they didn't with this version. Let's just be, let's be honest. Mm. So, okay, okay. So, I want to talk about Nachos' death for a split second because like, it just feels as though Bullseye is gifted with superhuman yeah. strength because he throws a <laughs> like he throws that Billy Club of Daredevils that is blunt. <laughs> it's not sharp. It's not. Like, it's not a knife at the end or anything like that. He literally throws it and far, like, easily, like, 50 yards, 100 yards, through his ribcage. Now, that's one side. Two, I don't understand how Electra didn't see it. It's the same mm. contact lens. Fucking one. <laughs> well, wasn't she in the, in the car wreck and like, was unconscious or something at that point? She was lying on the floor and she literally takes her head from, like, nine to three. The shampoo advert. <laughs> yeah. Like, lying on the floor, literally, like, left to right, rolling her head, and doesn't see the daredevil, who is jumping, like, across mm. from the stick, not launching it, makes no sense whatsoever. It's just, oh, just absolutely bonkers. Contrivance, I believe is the word we're looking for. Uh, a lot, very much so. And so we then, again, it doesn't get more 2000s than this, but this is one that that, that, that has stuck with me for a great number of years. Ollie's shaking his head on camera, listeners. I fucking hate this song as well, if I'm honest. Because he knows what I'm going to say. And <laughs> that's, because, <laughs> that's because Evanescence, Amy Lee and Evanescence have had a place in, in, my, in my soul 
since 2003. And <laughs> I, I still th- like, like, I still think the song holds up. I still think that like, I still think that song and the next one that will come up as well. My Immortal was slightly better. That one's a bit more forgivable because it is actually quite a nice tune. But like, honestly, fucking whatever it was, it wake me up inside. Bring me to life. Bring me to life. Bring me to life. I think what it is as well is that that it's it's another like training sequence. It's a mantra. It's it's very much a power. So right, this was. This was what struck me as as the film went on, right? As I mentioned earlier, every time Affleck lands, the camera swoops around Daredevil. Like mm-hmm. it's just kind of it just felt like certain bits. I was like, the quality of this honestly looks like some sort of like mid two thousands TV show, you know, type kind of quality. Like just in terms of like the film quality, the sound quality, and I watched it on Disney Plus, so you know. I'm streaming in whatever they've uploaded it at, but it honestly just felt like very much a product of its time and not a high budget one. But then we have again, we're looking at it. Oh, and the Power Rangers swooshy noises as well. Yeah, whenever but... she's like twirling the side <laughs> or like when they, whenever they're punching. But in such a short period of time, we have seen such like progression in like mm. CGI and animation. So it, of course, it's going to look dated and. You know, we're fans. Not even that. It's fairly like standard shots of stuff. It's just you know. I'm not disagreeing. With you. I I think it looks yeah. shoddy and ropey <laughs> as hell. But I, I I am just saying. I think having been through now like 20 years of incredible cinema and progression in CG, it it's starting with this, right? Yeah, it's heightened <laughs> even more so. But yeah, what I no, was. Okay. What I was going to say about this scene, what I really don't like, is that they're, they're making her out to be some kind of, like, I don't know, killer ninja. And all she does is she attacks some sandbags. You know, you, she's deadly. And is holding those sigh very incorrectly. Oh, right, well, there we go. They serve, they serve no purpose because she's holding it above the... Uh, uh, I forget the name of it now, but the... The cross the guards, guards, yeah. The cross guards, like she's holding it over the top of the cross guards. I and mean, when the whole point of Psy is to use those cross guards to defense and ho- and, and, and trap the blades and, and to so grapple. forth. Yeah. You're, gonna, you're gonna lose a finger. Only like Betty Bejeweled like had a fucking fajazzle or something as well. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> but to be honest, she's... Oh, I mean particularly particularly the one from the Electra movie. Oh, that Jesus was, that's she's probably literally what I'm bringing knives that, to gunfights though, because everyone else is packing heat, as Ollie said earlier. Like Yeah. What she she can't deflect a bullet with a sigh. I mean, right? Let's let's let. I want to talk about this fight on the rooftop, right? Because this is like 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 the wire work was working overtime here. Like all of a sudden, like these regular human beings that can fight and can do these random things can just leap tall buildings in a single bound now. Well, of course, because comic book logic. But but also, you you might want to just mention about you know Affleck needlessly twirling that bloody. Cane like a fucking lightsaber as he's as he's swishing it through that one set of washing line like on oh, the line yeah like, yeah the he linen. literally looks about four different ways around this one washing line and he still doesn't see her. Surely, like he like he doesn't have regular yeah. sight. Like he would see through the linen. Surely, who knows at this point? <laughs> so mad, so mad. I will say, however. Actually, no, I want to jump back a little bit because all of a sudden, like, we see that, like, Electra kicks his ass again. 
stabs him, almost kills him, removes the mask, right? <laughs> like she couldn't and tell. Just because, yeah. Yeah, but, but what gets me is that just because it's him, she immediately believes that he had nothing to do with it. For all she knows, he was in on it the whole time. Mm. But she immediately believes it just because it's him. Mad. Blew, it blew my mind. Now, what I will say, the fight between Electra and, and Bullseye, granted there's a couple of uncomfortable bits I do want to cover, but the, the, the overall kind of structure of it, I think, was actually quite good. And reasonably okay in comparatively. Like, like the original fight in the comics is by far better, mm. but they do their best to kind of incorporate various bits like the, the whole like the 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 shot of the side going through after he stabs her and stuff is it, it is reasonably out of the comics but there was i think it's in the director's cut they do have a slightly wider shot but because they wanted to get the pg-13 they had to tone it down a little bit kind of what they did with colson in the avengers mm. never restored that i don't think they no did. i don't think it's on the, I, I haven't watched the disney plus one in a while but i don't remember yeah that but Honestly, I thought this. I I don't remember anything of this fight. Obviously, it didn't have the impact for me because I'm not. I've not read the comic. But oh, it, oh no, just no, felt no. very it's, it's kind of not a part. It's no, it's no, it's not a part on it, Lee. The chore- the choreography feels very much like ripped out of all three Matrix films. There's literally, I think, there's literally an identical move where like she go, one of them goes for a kick and they grab them and yeah. slam them sideways and stuff. It starts off on rooftops. Goes down and down and down and down and down, ends up in a parking lot, and they just back even him, and then he just overpowers her. It's all silent as well. It's fa- impales her. She crawls, well, she staggers off and ends up crawling to Matt's apartment, not and dies in his arms. It, they should have just mm. if they'd done that, they've been they should. <laughs> comic Film would have been are, twice as long. Comic books are storyboard. Yeah. Just follow the. You've got the storyboard there. Just fucking follow yeah, it. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. For the love of God. But it's like we were saying before. It's like we were saying earlier, though. I think like this is the point in history making comic book movies where they didn't. They kind of picked and chose yeah. what they thought worked out of everything, and just sort of had this amalgamation bastard child of the of the the whole run core content. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But okay, like I'm. I'm so confused by, like, how, like, every so often, and this is probably the most uncomfortable thing, maybe, but, like, just perplexes me how, like, Colin Farrell is just perpetually, like, rubbing the bullseye on his head like a nipple. I don't understand. <laughs> I didn't I didn't like it. It didn't make me comfortable. It's this lucky charm. I wasn't sure what was going on. <laughs> Fucking, uh... Yeah, see, this is what I mean by, like, the sexualization yeah, of him like, yeah. like he rubs getting... the rose on his bullseye and throws it down at the what is yeah. happening right now but then we get this fight so so, so uh jennifer yeah basically jennifer garner gone electra dies or does she or does <laughs> she mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so we we <laughs> it's been about an hour and a quarter in movie time and we're back to where we started at the beginning of the film <laughs> So we're, so we're in the church, and then the big face-off happens between Daredevil and Bullseye. And that's where we see, as if the fight between, like, Electra and, and, and Bullseye oh, wasn't enough. Like, there's some insane dunk. stuff that happens in how here. Far, how high are they jumping? 
yeah, right. It, it, it's absolutely crazy. One, I laughed really hard at the sheer irony of so many bats flying out of that organ to surround Affleck. Hmm. Also, you remember the moment where like, because Bullseye's like run out of things to throw, so he kicks the stained glass uh, window what? that's above his head and then catches a the load of stuff. What bespoke fuckery is that? Yeah. <laughs> that is, ins- that was completely ridiculous. Uh. So after he actually hands Daredevil his ass and he's on the floor, you notice like he blows Fisk's cover really can, Sorry, can we, just, can we just dial it slightly back to the, the, the shit glass throwing? Because at this point, it goes to video game logic where Daredevil basically backflips and gains invulnerability during those frames of animation of the backflip yeah. so that all the glass yep. miraculously yeah, yeah. passes through. Bullshit. Um, <laughs> oh, this movie. Oh, this movie. Honestly, it's awful. How, how does that... Yeah, Bullseye pulls... never misses, yet he misses everything there. <laughs> like, Kingpin, like, he blows Kingpin's cover so badly. Like, he monologues to, like, hilarious Incredibles level <laughs> effect. It is bananas. Like, he, like, all cards are on the table there. And so because he thinks he's won, then he's going to, like, he goes to, he goes to take a shot. Doesn't work. Daredevil throws him comically far out of that church mm, window out to the street yeah like he doesn't just <laughs> to the road yeah he doesn't just he doesn't just throw him out and then he falls to the pavement he throws him a good 30 feet away from the church <laughs> landing on ben yuri's car and this is where we get into the final the final confrontation who with the kingpin bam 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 <laughs> so like this is one thing that i actually like like this is one thing that i did like that they do with it is that you know like when 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 it all comes down to it like the kingpin will get his hands dirty like fisk will get his hands dirty and i think that's something that they come across quite well with this uh yeah i just uh, i just I, I, I just think clark duncan was just inspired for this movie he was so good in it there was, to be honest, there is not much that he's done that I've ever thought. Yeah, that wasn't really great. The man was a mm. was truly mm. brilliant. It'll always be John Coffey to me. So good. Oh, I can't really watch that film. No, much me anymore. either. Cried like a baby. So emotional, but so emotional, but so well done. Uh, uh, for those of you wondering what we're talking about, listeners, we're talking about the Green Mile, um, starring Michael Carlton Duncan and Tom Hanks, and it is just, it's, it's like almost three hours of just pure emotion it's it's just incredible so during this fight with kingpin and daredevil and as you would expect kingpin absolutely wipes the floor with him just absolutely hammers daredevil halfway across the room to the extent that then he's able to take his mask off and he recognizes him as the blind lawyer from hell's kitchen as they met at the ball in august maybe july i don't know anymore (laughs) when are we now uh, November. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. Actually, 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 do you know what? I need to, yeah, I gotta, I gotta work timelines out in my brain, but I think I have a reasonable idea where we are now in terms of this. So, while this is going on, we find out that Fisk, even though he doesn't really know who Matt Murdock is prior to this, he remembers killing his father immediately because mm. he says oh it's always just business 
your dad was supposed to throw a fight. Yeah, you remember Jack Murdoch, the guy that was killed um, 20 years ago or something crazy like that. And and all of a sudden, Kingpin immediately remembers who he uh, is. In the director's, director's cut, he walks out to a filing cabinet of all his hits. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For you, it was the day that changed your life. For me, it was Tuesday. <laughs> we, like, like the end of the fight is because then he... to like, like, I'm, I'm trying so hard to work the logic out in this. So he realises that by sending all of that water shooting around the place, he can get a better indication of where Kingpin is. Yeah, like he couldn't already tell. Uh, well, really exactly. We've already had this where... He's in the rain with Jennifer Garner. Which is where he took the inspiration from. Exactly. So he, it's not like it's a, all of a sudden it's a revelation that, oh, hang on, if I burst all these water mains, I'm going to be able to see you. Again, it's just a leap in logic, isn't it? It's, it's just for dramatic yeah. effect and it's just oh, to, to be cool. Yeah, to boost his radar sense and then just to finish him off in a super fashion. Oh, pretty a pretty brutal way to be honest. Like, you feel I mean, that his, kick. Like, yeah, you like, like know the... his kneecaps have just like popped out like the back. Uh, no, you've seen Star Trek 6, haven't you? It's not his knee uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those weren't his knees. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, you think, oh, is he going to kill him? Is he going to kill him? And he doesn't, and he gives the whole, I'm not the bad guy. Except line. for the man I murdered in cold blood in the subway and split in half. <laughs> yes, and so many yeah. others that I've... Killed along the way. Maimed yeah. and that disabled along the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Arson. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, Criminal damage. damage. What got me with uh, with this bit, because it turns out that we are still in August, so it was the second ball that happened in August, because uh, on the 13th of August, because the New York Post that Foggy is reading when they're saying about Kingpin being arrested is dated the 16th of August. Okay. Hang on, that was a fucking quick funeral. Three days from the guy dying. Well, less than three days, if you think about it. It was the evening of August 13th. The guy gets killed. Yep. There's then a funeral, yep. a big old funeral with a lot of people at, and yeah, you know yeah, Evanescence yeah. playing in the background and all that shit. But like, yep, yeah. And then all of a sudden, so he's then gone and killed Kingpin, like pretty much the day after the funeral. So they've had this funeral on ice until the guy dies, to then immediately do it the day after he's died, when he died in the evening. Don't forget. Yep. Kevin Smith's had time to do the autopsy and find the Billy Club out of him. And all that kind of stuff. So then the morning of the 16th is when Foggy's reading the paper. So that means everything happened on the 14th and 15th. I mm, Doesn't add up to me. Mad. Absolutely mad. But what, but what got me as well is that, so you see these dates of like July, August 2003 and stuff like that. This movie came out in February 2003. This movie was released in the past talking about the future. <laughs> you sure it wasn't the previous year? Yeah, you could, you could have just taken... No, it was definitely 2003. And the newspaper is definitely ah, 2003 sorry, gotcha. in August. So yeah, they can, they've, they've preempted this year ahead. Just an odd choice, I thought. We see, so, so we get the hint of like, oh, maybe Electra might Sequel come back. Bait. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that fucking movie. Yeah, so... Because <laughs> there's, a, there's a pendant left on top with Braille... And I'm not sure what the Braille is supposed to symbolise. He, he asks her when he see when when they're 
like flirting on the rooftop and he oh no 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 i remember him saying about it being in braille but i don't know what the braille is supposed I'm to say i'm getting my own movie <laughs> it says no sequel for you after yeah. that. this film daredevil will return you're batman yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're just about coming to the closing moments of the film and we and one thing that was going through my mind when we see because obviously like Ben Urich and we didn't touch on this earlier that Ben Urich has worked out who Daredevil is because he recognises the, the the cane because a man called Kirby the coroner's office played by legend Kevin Smith who also wrote a, a, a run of Daredevil as we talked about earlier Guardian Devil worked out how to twist the top of the cane and then the, the the blind man's cane element of it then just extends to like like lethal precision to be honest and so that's how he works out that it's dead that daredevil is matt murdoch and he writes this newspaper piece and you're seeing him typing it out and then i just suddenly thought i don't know what word processor this man is using that he then does a single keystroke and it doesn't just like immediately erase it all it's deleting it word by word, like it's like animated like running. He's, up maybe the he's document. just got a sticky key. Right? Maybe he just meant to delete, and his name is Matt Murdock. <laughs> yeah. And it just yeah. like my keyboard does that. They they just stick in sometimes, and then it's like it's the whole thing just goes. Yeah. So then he deletes it. He sees Daredevil standing on a rooftop. He gives him the go get him, Matt. Uh. The guitar for won't back down by fuel is playing. As we get a night, as we get, I was going to say a nice little ending monologue by Ben Affleck. I think that's giving it a bit too much credit, to be honest. <laughs> but again, referencing himself as a guardian devil, which is a reference to, as we said, Kevin Smith writing, and then shoots his grappling hook in the air at nothing in particular. By the way, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's firing it. He's like he's about to die horribly. Credits roll, but that's not the end of the film. It's a mid credits. There's a mid-credits where we find out that Bullseye didn't die. He's plaster-casted up to the eyeballs and then a fly buzzing around and then he finds... Is it a fork? It's a syringe. Syringe. A syringe, mm. sorry. A syringe on the table and he manages to flick it up, hits the fly or whatever, and he gives the whole... Mm. Bullseye. That would have made more sense had Affleck not said that as he th- threw him, launched him out of the yeah. church window. Yeah. It would have been interesting. But he says it before. He says it a few times, though. Had they followed through, and obviously, because they give him an adamantium skeleton after that. So, well, what could have been? Because it gives the impression like Bullseye will return. (laughs) No, he won't. He fucking won't. (laughs) The credits finish rolling, and that is finally (laughs) the film. (laughs) I was saying to the others before, before off air. Like the the season of the lemon is definitely like a shit sandwich. Like you have the build up of going, oh great, we're going to talk about this film. Then you actually have to watch said film. Then we record, and yeah, it's a lot of fun. But honestly, <laughs> shit sandwich. Oh, you wait. Yeah. <laughs> right. So just to, just to, just to cover off the bases as a, as, a, as I am tend to do. Scores for this movie were. Obviously, as you can imagine, rotten. <laughs> it was a critic score of 43% and an audience score of 35 Wow. <laughs> the critics liked it more than the audience. <laughs> well, commercially, this actually did rather well. Oh. 
So this movie was originally supposed to have a budget of $50 million, which for 2003, not bad. However, due to the success of the first Spider-Man movie in 2002, 20th Century Fox raised the budget to just under $80 million. It was, it was about 78 approximately, so they really put bank into mm. it. But in spite of that rise, it still paid off dividends because even just as a domestic box office, it made $102,543,518. So it made a reasonable chunk of money back for the studio. Made $40.3 million that opening weekend. Hmm. Sadly, not much was actually released that weekend either. I think the main thing that it knocked off, it knocked off the number one spot, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. <laughs> Which was the most quality of movies that were coming out in 2003. That could be a subtitle for this film, Be Electra. That's how you lose a guy in 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, movies that year, I mean, I, 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 jo I joke about the quality of movies that came out that year. Like an L, there were some absolute stormers in that. However, there were some horrendous ones that rivaled this. I mean, like, I mean, we we have one here which I actually like to refer to as the thing that almost killed Ben Affleck's career. Uh, Jiggly <laughs> oh, was also released. Same year, Jesus. Same year, same year, and vastly underperformed in comparison. Didn't, wasn't also Jersey Girl the same year? Also another Affleck vehicle. I will have to check that. I'm not seeing it's around it the same time. Because... I have only, I have, I have only just highlights okay. though. 2004. Because uh, okay. other movies that came out that year that uh, that Daredevil beat Looney Tunes back in action with Brendan Fraser. Yeah. Cabin Fever, Bulletproof Monk, Paycheck as well. Like like Affleck actually did a lot that year. Bulletproof Monk. Uh, God. The, the underrated DreamWorks movie of Sinbad, Legend of the Seas, which if you've not watched that with Brad Pitt doing the voices, fantastic. Bad Santa, Kill Bill Volume 1, Old School came out that year. School of Rock, Last Samurai, Brother Bear, Cat in the Hat, Catch Me If You Can. All of them came out and all were beaten by Daredevil. Wasn't Return Jesus. of the King out that same year, though? That, surely that wasn't beaten by Daredevil. Nope, because I haven't got to the uh, ones that beat okay, Daredevil fine. yet, which were quite extensive yeah so yeah top 10 for that year was bad boys 2 terminator 3 chicago elf x-men 2 bruce almighty return of the king matrix reloaded pirates of the caribbean curse of the black pearl and the number one movie that year was finding nemo shit the bed finding nemo was 20 years ago yeah yeah with a whopping domestic box office of 339 million 714,184 dollars <laughs> what a giant fucking hell and that sounded like it was very much like the year of the sequel as well didn't it mm. yeah so I just want to go on to uh, some cheeky little reviews. That I found. <laughs> is it Toy Story 3? Is it? Is it Daredevil? <laughs> good. Wouldn't that be good? <laughs> I actually, what I was amused by, by these, like, I found some five star reviews that were basically not reviews. Really? Yes, insane. So, first one. It was simply, it's a Christmas gift for my partner. Which was a review left in 2019. These are five-star reviews, <laughs> by the way. Brilliant. 
The next one was, which like I don't think this guy understands how streaming works, where he just said, it's weird that as a Prime member, I have to pay for this now, having watched it previously for free. <laughs> Actually, to be fair, they, they do do that on Prime now, is that even if you've got a Prime subscription, there are certain ones that you have to pay extra for. Yeah. No, but he's watching it on Prime. That's what I'm saying. He's, he's saying, like, I've already watched it for free. Shouldn't I keep it? Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which makes no yeah. sense. And again, five-star review. <laughs> and the final one was, my niece tells me it's, it is it is very good, plenty of excitement and thrills. She wonders why there was never a follow-up. This person is writing this five-star <laughs> review on behalf of their niece who has seen this it movie. It was three. so luckily there are one star reviews out there with just as much love for this movie as we (laughs) have the first one is just called the first one just says appalling film comic book story comic book acting impossible to watch next one was headline of so bad he said this has to be one of the worst films i have ever watched the acting was terrible from start to finish i honestly don't know how it has so many five stars i gave it one star as i had to give it that as a minimum (laughs) Yeah, that was me. <laughs> I needn't have shown up. I should have just sent you that review in. <laughs> Another one was a headline of one star on the comment was, was a present, did not view. Is that, is that from 2019 yeah, right, as well? Yeah, the other one. <laughs> yeah, I did wonder that. I did wonder at the correlation. And the other one, this movie was ridiculous. Ben Affleck is not a superhero. I can't believe he's playing Batman. Plotless, idiotic. I just bought it because I was trying to have a complete superhero movie collection. Ugh. <laughs> like they actually wrote, Ugh. Oh, my sweet summer child. <laughs> <laughs> this movie was so boring and I was happy when it ended. The only reason why I sat through the whole thing was because I'm watching every Marvel movie. Skip this one. <laughs> Surely you just do the MCU. You don't do the prior stuff. Fucking hell. <laughs> Unreal. I mean, let's be fair. I mean, I'm going to do this just to just to close off, but I'm pretty sure I know where this is going to go. Recommendations. Uh, I mean, for me, not this version. I would say if you're curious, like fork out somewhere to rent the, the, the director's cut or if it turns up on some streaming platforms, I'd say watch the director's cut over this because it doesn't make sense. Otherwise... I would just stick with Charlie Cox, to be honest. I would just, I would just watch the TV series as it stands now, and the revitalized Born Again that's going to be coming soon from Disney Plus as well. I think there's a lot more promise with that than there is with this. It is a film that is made of good intentions. Unfortunately, it is a misfire the majority of the way. Hey, how about yourself? Oh, the road to hell was paved with good intentions, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck that. No, hell, fuck it, no. <laughs> watch this. Then I watched Thomas Jane's Punisher and found I enjoyed that ten times more than this. <laughs> I did it back to back. Oh, do you know what? You've watched this. What? Oh, yeah, I will, actually. And, oh, I enjoyed that so much more. I enjoyed that one so much more. Brilliant. God, I am a Marvel through and through. Cut. Cut me in half, and it, I, but I cannot defend this. Not this version of it. Can't it's guilty. It is guilty. Just send it down. <laughs> <laughs> Lee, how about you? Uh, I think I've worked out what the Braille said on that uh, charm, by the way. I think it says Netflix will do this better in 15 years. <laughs> uh, 20-year-old me would have enjoyed the soundtrack and must have enjoyed it enough to have bought it twice and seen it in the cinema. But, yeah... 
39-year-old me does not enjoy this film at all and just was <laughs> cringing the whole way through. Ollie? Kind of, like, kind of like Lee at the time, I did enjoy it. And I think I was really excited to see what would become of like superhero movies. So perhaps... Thankfully if, not this. Yeah, perhaps if you want to go back <laughs> and see kind of like its evolution and how it started, that would be the only reason to go back. I This film, compared to some of the other films we have watched and reviewed, really is dated. It is dated by the, the actors in it, the way they act, the way it's written, and the soundtrack. When it all comes together, I... There's not much I really like about it at all. The only thing I do like about it is that, like, the writer-director, Mark Johnson, like, went in, like, guns blazing. He knew what he wanted. He had a vision and he tried to do it. So kudos to him. You know, he he probably tried tried it with Ghost Rider as well. Oh, God. (laughs) For the benefit of the listener, Damien has just facepalmed so hard he's gone out of frame. <laughs> but what did come that. out of this is that he went on and did Christopher Robin, uh, okay. which I think is incredibly charming and heartwarming, and, and if not slightly heartbreaking as well. Still, it's, to watch it's really it, interesting to see how someone's career has gone and where they've gone to, and how the writing skills have changed and perhaps what Mm. someone is capable of when they are given freedom to write something properly so i'm trying not to be too harsh (laughs) with daredevil but i'm not going to watch it again (laughs) i it's interesting because daredevil was the the first one that Fox released in what I can really only kind of describe as the jukebox Marvel movies. There's a reason why I'm talking about the soundtrack so much, because between this and Fantastic Four as well, it followed a very similar formula of like very kind of, this is going to date me now for any like, like Zoomers out there, like the uh, like MTV element, like very, you know, like popular bands at the time, uh, doing songs not just like like as a soundtrack to just go oh like music inspired by and and, and linked to and stuff like that like the songs that are that that play a part in the film and fox wasn't doing that for all movies they weren't doing that for the x-men movies they didn't do it for the second fantastic four because they realized they didn't need that and so i i think like for for, for daredevil and for the first fantastic four they were almost like an experiment that just kind of fell on its ass really. I think, I think those songs are also used as a way in. You know, like, oh, if you like Evanescence, go see this film. <laughs> it's a shitty movie to go with it. Yeah, it so, it's, a, it's a very expensive promo for Fallen. Well, the first time I heard that song wasn't even through... Like, like the first time I heard Bring Me Alive wasn't even through this movie. It was through... Uh, no, no, it was through a WWE event. It was through No Way Out, um, which was February that year, which was when the movie came out too, and they used it as a promo song for one of the main events. Huh. Anyway, I derailed that. Sorry, Ollie. No, I, I wasn't really going anywhere with it as such. It was just that it was, I just kind of remember it being a thing at the time, you know, like they were being yeah. partnered together. It was kind of the done thing to promote the film, you know, I, I don't know if perhaps 
there was a second music video that was released for this that kind of had stills or scenes from the Daredevil movie in it. I no. remember music videos doing that at the time. You know, they'd have their official one and yeah. then they'd have their movie tie-in. But uh, not even... I Just to say, I am not a fan of the soundtrack at <laughs> all. I'm going to get that out right at the end. You, no. you weren't cool enough for new metal back in the day, I, I remember. I, I gave it like a, a shot for a week. I couldn't deal with it. <laughs> I, I remember went, you getting very pissed off at Reading Festival with went, Marilyn Manson. I went back to Britpop. <laughs> Indian alternative, and that was me. Well, there you have it, listeners. A unanimous stay the fuck away. <laughs> Consigned to the annals of it. Put it in like, like Raiders. Put it in a big fucking warehouse in a wooden crate. No, no, it needs to be beaten to death in its own billy club. Fuck, put it in a box. No, no, like office be... space. <laughs> Beat it to death with its own billy club. Fuck, no, no, no. Well, if you thought that was bad, <laughs> strap the fuck in, boys. Because <laughs> I'm about to tell a story. Oh, All about how your life got flipped turned upside down? <laughs> Absolutely. Don't sing it, I can't afford it. <laughs> So, listeners, it's about time that we start wrapping things up for this episode. However, we do need to tease you with some details about our next lemon in the batch. So I can tell you that at 12% critic score... Oh, God. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) This is the lowest rated movie we've done in the history of the podcast. This movie almost buried a franchise before it was successfully revived in 2005. Hmm... Oh, the no. movie was so badly received that the lead actor has been known on occasion to refund audience members. Damien shaking his head for a reason. No. Because he knows what the fuck is coming. Because tonight's forecast, a freeze is coming. No, <laughs> don't <Yes>. you say. <laughs> oh, Christ. We will be watching... <laughs> the theatrical release of the 1997 Eyesore, <laughs> Batman and oh, Robin. <laughs> Should that not be Ice Saw? Hey. Oh, good hey. lord. Someone came to play. That's going to that's gonna be two hours of just freeze puns, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Absolutely fine. If it gets us through it, Damien, that's, that's all we need. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh, lord. Oh. So, listeners... I'm going to I'm going to let that simmer with the collective for a little bit. I'm going to leave that there to linger and I just hope and pray they have the fortitude to stick with me on this one. This is a this is going to be a tough one. This is going to this is this is this is going to be a tough one. <laughs> Come on Damien. We did Mario Brothers. We can do this, right? Oh Jesus. I believe in you. <laughs> so on that bombshell I think that's a good place to start wrapping things up. So, gentlemen, I want to offer you my thanks, as always, for taking the time out and joining me on this wild ride. I think apologies as well is probably what you should be saying. Well, that's next month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we haven't done Batman yet. <laughs> so, yes, allow me to say thank you and fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you very much, as always. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And listeners, thank you for taking the time out to join us on this little nostalgia trip. And we do hope you'll join us again for the next episode. Until next time, end of line.